Please open your Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 25. Uh, a couple of things have stood out to me. Um, first of all, man, I, I really enjoy Brother Aldridge. Uh, he and I were chatting this afternoon, and he asked me, hey, what do you do for fun? And I said, well, I, one of the things I love to do is mountain bike. He's like, well, do you have a bucket on the side of it? I'm like, bro, you can come ride with me. I will take you mountain biking. And I, and, and I said, there, there's this thing called a tandem mountain bike. And he's like, well, I don't even know what that is. And I'm like, well, it has two seats on it, and, and you just sit on the back. And, and he said, well, I'm going to carry my cane so people don't think we're weird. And I'm like, bro, you're already weird, and I'm weird. I mean, it doesn't matter. And then I said, so you just sit on the back. I'll steer, and, and then you just help me pedal. And he goes, pedal? I, yeah, it's a mountain bike. He said, I, I thought you were talking about a dirt bike. I'm like, come on, bro. It's a, some mountain bike. He said, do I look like I'm mountain bike? I'm like, well, I, that's a different question. And then I'm really excited about this. One day, I, want, I hope God gives me the opportunity. I really want to see Brother Tom Gibson's office, man. And so I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm excited to see that. And thank you for being so gracious. Pastor Jet, again, thank you for allowing me to be here. And I'm sorry for the delay and not being here last night, but thankful for how the Lord used it last night and just excited to be a part of it today. And, and look, you may, you may never um, get to see West Valley Baptist in Idaho, but that church family is fully behind me coming to here specifically and then to other things and just enabling me and us, our church family, to be invested and in, to give. And man, I love the Mountain West where I'm at and all of that, but I just, I want to be a part of it wherever it's going on and wherever God would let us be a part of it. And so it's really, really thankful to get to be here with you again and to get to share some truth with you. Um, Emma Reagan was asking how long this was going to take. And, and, and then others of you have been expressing concern. On a, there is no such thing as a bad short sermon. And I, it's going to take a minute. <laughs> I, am, I am aware of the time. And my goal is certainly not to be long. I understand you're working and all of that. But it's like I tell, I tell our people, my goal isn't to get done. My goal is to try to communicate truth. And so I just want to be helpful. I am going to try to be conscious of the time and, and not linger where I shouldn't. But at the same time, the goal is to hear from God. And so I'll do my best to be conscious of that if you'll do your best just to hear from God and respond to him. And we'll just trust the Lord with the time. It's been a great spirit. So let's stay in Matthew chapter 25. This message overlaps with what uh, Pastor Gibson spoke about this morning. And I'm just trying to be sensitive to what the Lord wants me to preach. And, and so believe I, this is just what I need to do. And so this is what we're going to do. In Matthew 25, verse number 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents." 
And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Men and women, young and old, children of God, please get this. Whether you're a member of this church or you're somewhere else, you're on staff, you're a lay person, you own a company, you're a pastor, you're a church planner, whatever. There is a reckoning day. And it's not about, no, we understand the reckoning day about our salvation. It's not about that. If you're saved, you're saved, period. Hallelujah, Jesus has saved you. But there is a reckoning day about what we have done with that which is committed to us. And so, in he that had received in verse 25 talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them. Five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I'd like you to pay attention to the similar language between that he that had received five and he that received two. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I completely disagree with his assessment of his master. Because he had sowed something, but it was in his servant he had sown something. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, gather where I have not strawed. And thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. Then At my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Title is this, Quantity versus Quality. You control one, you don't control the other. Quantity versus quality. Father, I'm, I'm obviously a very flawed vessel and, and am in need of your help. So would you help me not to be a distraction to your truth? Let it be an encouragement by your perfect word and your perfect spirit. God, would you move? And then help us to listen, to be able to listen without distraction. And God, though I am flawed, help people to be able to hear from you and to be able to understand where this needs to be encouraged in their life. Lord, if they just need to be encouraged, if a brother or sister needs to be encouraged and reminded that they're in the the right way, God, help them. And if there's some that need to be convicted that they are wasting, God, help them. And would you, God, just help us to make the most of what you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So I love ice cream. 
It's a blessing. I, I love chocolate chip cookie dough. Man, that's just stuff. You just take a bunch of vanilla ice cream, you take a bunch of cookie dough, and you just put it together, man. It's just, it's heavenly. When I say I love ice cream, I mean I love ice cream. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, how, how big? And just like, let's just put it in, and let's just, let's just sit on the bed and just eat ice cream, man. It's, I love, I love ice cream. Well, my kids love ice cream, too. But I don't love my kids as much as I love ice cream. And so when, and I have eight of them. And, and so when it, it's time to have ice cream, I get a bowl. It's called the daddy bowl. And you're like, well, that's just not fair. Well, I don't parent to be fair. I'm the one who pays the mortgage on that house. I don't care about my kids' feelings for crying out loud. I love ice cream. So I have this bowl and they, they have this bowl right here. It's like, well, you're just hurting their hearts. <laughs> Get a job, man. Buy your own ice cream. I don't I want to tell you about this. I mean, it's pretty simple parenting philosophy with me. You got a daddy bowl, you got a kid bowl. You want a daddy bowl, get a daddy job. Hallelujah. That's what it's, that's what it's called. Amen. And so, man, I, I love ice cream. And, and this will happen. This will happen sometimes. And, and I'm saying I'm not ashamed of this. Some of you can be upset about this, but I, I will get more ice cream than most of my kids and, and, I actually all of my kids, and it's like, oh, man, I mean, it's good. But they still get ice cream. No, they still get ice cream. But there's always this, there's always this dilemma for them. And I actually enjoy watching them work through this emotionally with something as simple as ice cream. Because they have to work through it. Am I going to spend the next 20 minutes being grumpy about what I don't get while this melts and waste away and ends up either in the trash can or the sink, or am I going to make the most of what it is that I've been given? You see, you don't control the quantity, but you do control the quality when it comes to the ice cream that you're given or you're not given. So in our text, the master goes on a journey and he distributes his goods among his servants and he gives different amounts to different servants. And notice how what the text says, based on their several ability, one receives five, one receives two, one receives one. And, and it's so important that we get this point, that the master doesn't justify, doesn't even bother to explain why I'm giving you five, why I'm giving you two, and why I'm giving you one. He just does it. And here's why he just does it, because he's the master. And he knows best. He, he is intimately acquainted with the ability of his servants. And he understands the equipping that they have received. And he knows that, yes, you're capable of one. And you are capable of two. And you are capable of five. It has nothing to do with preference. It has nothing to do with valuing one over the other. It has to do with his ability to discern and his wisdom and his insight and his purpose. And so we see the response of the three servants while he's gone. The one who received five goes and he invests it. And whatever that would look like, he uses it to be productive and to produce more. And he ends up with five more. And the one that receives two, he takes it and he applies the, please get it, he applies the same level of diligence as the one with five. It's not like he, he, he applied less effort. He had a smaller amount, but he applies the same amount of effort and he doubles what he had been given. And so he that had received two, he now has two more. The one, as you know, he takes and he hides it. 
And he tries to put the blame on the master, but really the blame is upon him because the master had the same expectations for all of them and his judgment of them was equal. It was, it was just. He just didn't want to invest it. And so when he returns, there's a reckoning day and he holds his servants accountable upon his return. He judges them, please get it, not for how much they were given. That's not why they were judged. That's not the measurement of their judgment. How much were you given? The measurement was this. What did you do with what you were given? It doesn't matter if you were given less than him or more than him. What matters is what you did with that which you were given. And so the five, the one who received five and produced five more, he's honored. You've been faithful over a few things. Oh, by the way, I love it. In the heavenly economy, whether it was five or it was two, in the heavenly economy, it's faithful over a, a few things. No, man, we get to thinking we're big stuff at certain points and we start looking around. But in the heavenly economy, man, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's good for us to remember that before him we're as dust. Then he said, you've been faithful over a few. Make you rule over many. The one with two, faithful over a few. Make you ruler over many. And then the one with one comes and he receives a very, very harsh judgment. Okay, so here's our point tonight. God is the master. And he does control the quantity. God controls the quantity. He doesn't give an explanation for why. You ever, you ever come to a pastor's fellowship and you're like, man, that guy can preach. That guy can sing. That guy can play the piano. That guy's better looking than me. That guy's vehicle is in better condition than mine. That guy just has it. You understand that God does give some five and some one, Amen. and some two. You understand that? And he doesn't give explanation. I want, I want to encourage you with this. God as the master does not owe me an explanation for why he has given someone else something that he has not given me. God, doesn't, God does not explain why. And he, it's not our business to understand why. Well, why does he have this much and they have this much and I have this much? He's the master. He's the king. He's the ruler. He's in charge. I love what was referenced this morning. We are bought with a price. He's the one that paid for me. And he's the one that knows what I need and what I'm capable of. And how I'm going to be best, the most useful in his purpose. And that should encourage you that God has a purpose. And so he gives according to his wisdom and that purpose. God can controls the quantity it's up to the servant to control the quality these servants had no control over how much they were given only what they did with it it's all they had control over they didn't say hey I want a different bowl no 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 this is what I got it's my responsibility to do something with it that will be productive according to the agenda and purpose of my master. Amen. So here's the statement. God controls the quantity. You control the quality. Yes, sir. God controls the quantity. You control the quality. Now here's the lie. Quantity determines quality. Right. That's, a lie. Yeah. That's the lie. 
especially, and it was referenced by Brother Robbie and maybe others, living in a materialistic culture, a culture where the materialism hasn't just leaked into churches, it has overrun churches. We buy into the lie that the quality of our life is determined by the quantity of our life. And that the quality of our ministries are determined by the quantity of our ministries. But according to scriptural principle, that's just not the case. That is a lie meant to limit and hamper and undermine the work of God that he would do in churches of a thousand or that he would do in churches of 20, that he would do in towns of 600, that he would do in the metropolitan areas of the millions. Quality is not determined by quantity. Quality is determined by a servant willing to take responsibility for whatever it is that God has given to them. You can't control what you don't have. You can't control it if God didn't give you certain musical abilities. You can't control it if God didn't put you in a place where the ministry is just booming. You can't control it if some people know you and a lot of people don't. You can't control it if you don't have the same kind of good health that other people have. You can't control it if you haven't been blessed with children the way that some other people have. You can't control it if things are going well in one church and they're not going well in yours there's so many things you can't control but you do have a life that you can control it's the quality Booker T Washington is a great American was it was a great American he's born into slavery in 1856 his biological father was a white man that was unknown to him at the age of nine he was freed along with his mother and siblings at the conclusion of the Civil War his mother moved the family to West Virginia where she married a freed black man named Washington Ferguson. Booker was only allowed to go to school after he had worked from 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. each morning in a local salt works. He had a second job in a coal mine. And it was there he heard about the Hampton Institute in Richmond, Virginia that was committed to the education of formerly enslaved peoples. So in 1872, at the age of 16, he walked 500 miles to Hampton where he enrolled and was accepted and became an excellent student. He would go on to become one of the most influential thinkers and leaders in the 19th century America, making huge advances in education, botany, and farming. He was the first black man to be, according to what I've read, to be invited to the White House where he was an advisor to both President Theodore Roosevelt and President Howard Taft. This brother went from being an enslaved peasant to a counselor to presidents. Why? Because he chose to focus on the quality instead of living under the quantity that he was not born into. God controls the quantity. You control the quality. I think you'd agree with this today that in America today, we are wasting so much quantity. I don't know of a nation that is doing less with more than this nation is managing to do. I mean, you just look at the work ethic. I mean, you're, you, 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 simple things like this. 
I, I, I mean, I talked to people and I was like, yeah, when I first, my first job, I was paid like six, seven dollars an hour or something like that. And then, you know, I kind of get grumpy about minimum wage, like $20 or whatever it is. And how you make more money now at McDonald's and some other jobs and things like that. And then you hear people like, well, back in my day, man, I got a quarter an hour or man, whatever it is. I'm going to get paid in change or something like that. And so, man, I just, it was just, I, I, it, today we have so much and we do so little with it. And it would be easy to hit a bunch of amens about the American culture and how we're frustrated with it. But, but we need to be honest. And the purpose here tonight isn't, isn't to preach about America, although America needs it. The point is to preach to the people of God, and this is a church planning conference, and this is a local church, and you're in local churches, and, and we need to recognize that it's not just the American culture that is doing less with more. The, the churches of Jesus Christ in this country are finding ways to do less with more. And we, uh, we have so much that we've been given. Can you, just, can you just think about the riches that we sang about in the song, Glory, I'm Saved. My sins are all pardoned. I don't know if you really think about this statement, but if you really think about this statement, you would raise your hand occasionally. I mean, it might be hard a little bit, but man, that chicken wing would start to fly out just a little bit. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt... No, my guilt, anything that you can be guilty of, Jesus paid for it, it's all gone. It's not held against you anymore. It doesn't matter how dark that closet is. It doesn't matter how deep that wickedness ran. You are freed from it. And not just freed from the things that you did before, freed from the things that you could ever be guilty of. It's wonderful. That spiritual riches that you have been given, and it's an abundance that has been poured out into your life. And yet, like it was preached about this morning, yeah, I'm back at church again. Help us. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's good to be here. I mean, are, 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 why do we have to keep repeating the verses of this song? And it's not glory, glory, I'm saved. It's glory. When can we stop singing so I can go home? Help us. No, no. We've been given spiritual riches. No, we are so, I am so rich. If all I received was to be forgiven for what I am, I am wealthy beyond comprehension, but I've been given so much more. I've been made a child of God. I'm a, I, listen, I don't comprehend this. I don't comprehend this. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Me and say, man, I really wish I was related to the Gates family. I really wish I was related to Steve Jobs. I wish somebody would do a DNA search and find out that I was, man, a second cousin of somebody's aunt that was an Apple executive or something. And look, bro, I'd cash in on that, hallelujah. But I get to be a joint heir with the one who owns it. Oh, this is amazing. Man, then I think, okay, look, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Please get it. I have a mom and dad who didn't grow up like I grew up. My dad lost his father when he was 15, watched him die in his living room through a debilitating disease. My mom was taken out of her home because of the debauchery that her parents raised her with and raised in foster care. And both of them came to know Christ in the military. And they decided that they were going to give their lives to Jesus and raise their children in a way that they were not raised. Man, I'm just so rich. Man, I'm just talking about it. Just keep talking about it. Yeah. 
And I look at the people God puts in my life. I look at the church that I get to pastor, the family, the family at West Valley that I get to belong to. Man, I just keep talking about it. The ease of access. Listen, we have, we have people in our church that grew up in Russia. There's a huge Slavic community in our valley. And they, they have told me testimony about going to visit family who were Baptists and, uh, and Christians and ministered in Russia. And they know what it's like to go and see them in jail under the communist oppression of trying to smother out Christianity. We have such ease of access to the word of God. I was walking around in the airport last night killing time with Jackson. And we went to, man, there's hundreds of stores in the Atlanta airport. Why we flew from Boise to Atlanta to come to Sioux Falls, I don't know. But we're walking around in Atlanta, and there are Bibles all over that airport. We have so much access to so much good. And yet, this is what we do. Well, if I had that. If I had that. If I had their health. If I had their ability, if I had their building, if I had their training, if I had their opportunity, if I had their money, if I had their support, and we focus our life and our effort on what we don't have and use it as a justification for what we are not doing when in truth, We've been given all that we need to be productive for the kingdom of God. Rather than making the most, we make excuses. God determines the quantity of your life. Look, I don't believe God makes people sin. But I do know that God allows people to make their own decisions. And people like my mom are going to be born into really difficult circumstances that they did not create. And I don't believe God caused it, but I do believe God allowed it. And I believe in a sovereign God who wants everybody to be saved. Hallelujah. No, no. And the two coexist. They, they coexist perfectly. And, and there are challenges that we may not fully understand. But the perfectly sovereign God makes salvation available to whosoever will praise his name. And he wants everyone to have it. But he's going, some man, he just lets us make the decisions we're going to make. And it has consequences in people's lives. My mom was raised the way that she was raised. And God in heaven allowed my grandfather to get ALS and die when my dad was 15 and my uncle was 13. I don't, I don't, I don't know all the why. I just know that in my life I have a dad and a mom who instead of looking at what they didn't have, yes, they submitted to a God who gave them what they did and they said, mm, I'm going to make the most of it. You don't determine the quantity. Hey, hey, church members at Eastside, you got battles. No, you got challenges. You understand in the life of the church, you don't get to be in charge of everything that goes on and everything that you do. 
and you understand that God's going to elevate some and move some around and some are going to do this and some are going to do that and it's according to the wisdom and discernment of God. You say, how do I know that? Because you have a pastor that is obviously trying to follow the Lord. No, I want more than that. You have a pastor that is trying to follow the Lord. Well, I don't know of a perfect pastor. Right, because they don't exist. Whether they have an office or not. We are getting some mileage out of that, hallelujah, and I wasn't even here. Man, you say, well, I, I, I really would like to do that, but, but your pastor has to follow the leading in the direction of the Lord. And you got to remember, at the end of the day, he's the one that must give an account. And so he's going to say, not because he has this secret agenda, he's just trying to follow God. He's going to say, hey, I believe this would be best over here, and this is how we need to do this. And some things are going to get moved around, and some things are going to be challenging, and you're not in control of all of that. Here's what you're in control of. What am I going to do with that which has been? been given to me church planner I don't understand why God says hey I want you to go here and you're going to pastor 30 people for most of your life I don't understand why God says hey I want you to go here and this place is going to explode and it's going to go from a little bit to a whole lot I don't understand why some are doing this and some are doing that I don't know I just know that God is the one who decides It's not up for me to say, well, I wish I was doing that, or I wish I got that, or I wish. And look, anybody, anybody can wrestle with it. We can always find something we don't have. Oh, come on, come on. the, the, The Jess can tell you this. When we lived in Stillwater, I went from pastoring, owning a house, to living, to being on staff and living in one of the church parsonages, a huge blessing, but 10 people in around 1,300 square feet. And I understand people have lived in tighter conditions, but it was, it was challenging. And there were times in our house I struggled with my attitude because I remember what I had and now this is what I don't have. And, 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 and it was a blessing. I just struggled with my attitude. And I remember when God convicted me and was like, dude, if you think you'll be grateful with more square footage, you are deceiving yourself because you will find something else to focus on that you don't have. You always find something. I, I'm, not making a, I'm not making a mock at this. We have a couple that is on our leadership team, our part-time staff, Z and Rachel, he's our children's ministry guy. And he does other things, he does a lot of other things, but that's his main focus is children's ministry, and he's phenomenal at it. He and his wife have been married 10 years. They don't, over 10 years, they don't have children, have tried and prayed and begged God and asked God. And, and honestly, I don't understand this. I say this with Humility. Humility. I, I do not understand why my wife and I have, have, eight, have eight children and for the most part completely healthy. We've had some health issues, but nothing catastrophic like so many people have had to deal with. My, my wife has never had a miscarriage. I mean, I just, I don't know these certain struggles and pains. My parents lost their first baby at birth. I just, I don't know those things. And I've had to talk with Z and Rachel. I don't understand why God has chosen to allow us to have this and has chosen to allow you to have that. I can't answer that question, but you aren't responsible for what he hasn't given you. You are responsible to do with what he has given you the very best that you can. And can I tell you, God uses them mightily because they love every child in that church and every child that comes on that bus like they were their own. It's amazing to watch. It's amazing. I'm going to, I'm, listen, I'm, 
I'll tell you one more story, and then I'll make some points. We have a couple, the Kadzis, George and Yelena, another one of those Slavic couples. When he was, they were on family vacation. He made a bad decision, careless decision, got killed while they were on vacation. She's left with five children, nine and under. And can I just tell you this? Every day is a bad day when that happens. By the way, you can't be Christians that don't allow people to have bad days. And when they're struggling with stuff. This, hey, hey, this church needs to be a place where people having a bad day can come. And they are loved. And you need to be a church family that when one of your brothers or sisters is having a bad day, you don't run from them, you don't hide from them, you go to them and say, hey, look, I may not understand, but I'm still here for you, I still love you, I still care about you. People are allowed to have bad days when bad things happen to them. And, and I've sat down with her. And there, there was one day, there was one service, and, and, and listen, you're going to think this is harsh. She, was having, she wasn't just having a bad day, she was having a bad attitude. And I, and I have a good relationship with her. I have tried to be a pastor to her and a friend to her. And, it, and I said this to her. I said, sis, you know that I love you. But your children need you to buy into the greatness of God. And your trauma doesn't give you the right to have a bad attitude about everything. like that's hard yeah it's hard but it's also true you know what we've seen happen man two or three of her kids have gotten saved they've gotten baptized God is using that woman in so many amazing ways in the life of our church why because she recognizes I don't control the quantity but I do control the quality and I'm gonna make the most of it let me just give you some some thoughts about this number one the value of your life is not determined by how much you have or don't have You're not better because you have more. To those with great ability, to young people that have ability that sets you apart, you're not better because you have it. And you're not less because you don't have it. Your life has value, not because of a gift that you've been given, but because you are and Jesus died for you. Number two, God does not reward based on who has the most, but on how you use what he's given to you. The two servants that were called faithful weren't called faithful because of how much they'd originally been given. They were called faithful because of what they did with it. And the servant wasn't called unprofitable because he only had one. He was called unprofitable because he did nothing with the one that he had. And then this is, those who are faithful in a little put themselves in a position to receive a lot more. (laughs) okay okay I'm trying to land this plane okay no but please please get this uh look I've been talking the whole sermon about you don't control the quantity you only control the quality but in every instance where they were faithful God took the little and he turned it into more hallelujah can I just talk about my mom and dad I told you their backstory because they chose to be faithful with the little quantity God gave them now they have two sons that are pastoring they have a daughter that's serving the Lord they have they have 12 grandchildren and I have 75 percent of those grandchildren they have 12 grandchildren that 
are, we're trying to raise them to follow Jesus Christ. Their younger son is their pastor. Can I tell you what God has done? God has taken the little that they did much with. And in their life, he has turned it into generational quantities. Hallelujah. Man. But just like you reap positive generationally, you reap negative generationally. And if we're not careful, we're going to raise generations that make excuses instead of making the most. So why is it? Why don't we produce more? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, we can get resentful. Resentful. Okay, I'm, I'm transparent. I'm ridiculous. I'm sorry. It has bothered me more than once that... Literally every male that I'm related to is noticeably taller than me. <laughs> Look, it, I told the church this the other day. I was somebody, I said, if, if Brother Tom and I walked in with matching outfits, people would be like, oh, he brought his boy to work with him and they match. <laughs> and I love, I'm just, I'm condensed, man. It's just, it's what I am. You're like, do, pe- do people stop talking about that when you're their pastor? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> man, I, man, when I like, when I, <laughs> when, I, when I look straight down the aisle, my nose shifts that way or that way. I can't tell. I, when I'm getting a picture taken, I have to turn sideways so my nose looks straight. I had a kid in high school. No, listen, this is how I grew up. And my parents did not care. They did not have sympathy on me. I was getting my hair cut when I was 10. I literally can take you to the spot where I was getting my hair cut. This barber was cutting my hair, a lady barber. And she said, I'm 10. And she goes, you know you have a lumpy head. (laughs) You say that as a (laughs) 10-year-old. Start weeping. Where's my support? (laughs) Hold still. (laughs) I had a kid in high school, he's like, I, I got contacts because that's easier to play basketball with. And I played a lot of basketball in high school. And man, he's playing basketball and he's like, I like you better with glasses. It de-emphasizes your nose. <laughs> See, y'all should feel sorry for me right now. You're like, why is he the way he is? Well, I'm trying to tell you why I am. Go cry to my daddy or my mama, and they're like, look, you're ugly and you're short. Just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. You can, get, you can spend your life hating what you don't have. Why do they get to be on staff there? Why, do they, why does it go well for them? Why did they get to raise that much money? I mean, God can bless you with thousands, and you're looking at what you don't have instead of thanking God for what you do have. Or we start to compare. We get resentful or we start to compare. And when we compare, we get discouraged. Look, just in God's economy, there are people with one, there are people with two, there are people with five. Can I just encourage you? God doesn't view you as less than or more than. He says, this is what I've entrusted you with. Just Make the most of it. So, good. Yeah. so can I ask you in your life, are you making the most of or are you making excuses for? And I, I love, I, I, 
teased him a little bit, but I love Brother Aldridge's desire just to serve the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Man, I don't know if you caught it, but the reference to, I think I got this right, he has to FaceTime his wife when he walks to the office yeah. so that his wife can talk him across the street and to the office. Amen. Sometimes we just make all kinds of excuses for why we can't do what we're supposed to do. Instead of just saying, look, I don't have what everybody else has, but I have something. And I serve the same God as everybody else. So I just want to make the most of. And if we make the most of, God can turn it into so much more.